Well, we do have coffee in the back and snacks, and can you bring them in here? Yeah. So we wouldn't rent a building where you couldn't do that. Russell, why don't you stand, and you weren't planning on this, but uh, I hadn't seen you since, but congratulations to Russell. You got, uh, well, tell, tell us what's uh, going on. Or do you remember? <laughs> Very good. Now we got uh, kind of came out here, started working for Lockheed Martin, which is a great job. But I think you're starting to wonder: Is this really what I am meant to do? Is what I love doing? And so we've been praying for a while about this whole thing. And but as soon as you get the yes, it's like life goes in motion. It's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you have you have a whole church praying for you too as you do that and. You go to Officers Candidate School. I think that's first in Rhode Island and down to Pensacola. So we're excited for you. Uh, you can fly out anytime and see us. I'm sure we'll uh, have our own private air show. And <laughs> so really happy for you, excited for you. Well, last Sunday, we brought a message entitled Waiting on God. And this summer, I've been, been pretty much preaching what I call spillover messages until I get into a series in the fall of what God's been doing in my life and letting that just spill over on Sundays, of course, preparing a message to, to bring. And so after last Sunday's message on waiting on God, it's, uh, I, I told this to Diane, I said, I don't feel like I'm done. I don't, I don't feel like God's done dealing with me about this need in my life. I'd much rather move on <laughs> to something else. And so this morning, what I would I've entitled this message still, Waiting on God, because, because I, I come into to Monday, in fact, it's even before Monday, and, I, and I'm thinking through, I'm still waiting, and I've been waiting a very long time for some important things in my life. And I'm sure that you can think of things too. If I were to say, what's the one thing that you've been waiting for for a very long time? I imagine there'd be several things that come to mind. And I found myself still waiting on God, still wondering, what, what all are you doing? Probably the most difficult thing in my life. And so I echo what Oswald Chambers said, one of the greatest strains in life is the strain of waiting on God. But really, when you think about waiting or depending, or trusting, or leaning. It's the nature of faith. And the entire Christian life has been described as this, is we, we walk by faith, not by sight. And it is working in us a life to, to trust, to depend, to lean on God. And that there is something that He is working to move you to a a deeper, more personal, intimate relationship with Him. See, when I think of waiting, I just, I'm waiting for stuff to happen. I'm waiting for things to come. I could give you a long list of just things to happen. That's, That's the way I think. Everything I'm waiting for right now, I just want it to get done. Whereas God is waiting on high, and we talked about that God is waiting to bless, we're waiting to receive, why the wait? 
because the tension is developing a dependence in my life upon God, and he is developing in me a more intimate, personal, real, vital relationship. And that's why you were created. God created you first and foremost above all things to be able to enjoy a personal and real relationship with him. Now, the text that I'd ask you to turn to, and I'll have it on the screen, uh, you're not going to find it exactly this way in any of your Bibles. You say, well, what are you preaching from? <laughs> Most of us um, we hold an English Bible. It's a translation in the Old Testament from the Hebrew to English, and then the New Testament from Greek to, to English. And whenever you, we've heard the expression, you lose something in the translation, I still, I still feel that I can hold my English Bible and say, this is the Word of God. I trust every word of it. Um, but sometimes when, when you hear something in one language and you want to say it in another language, you may say it several different ways to give different nuances. So I thought, I'm going to try <laughs> as best as I can to write this out in Psalm 62.5 to be as simple as possible and yet not lose the, the power of what it's saying. So here it is, Psalm 62.5. Oh, my soul, let all that I am wait quietly before God alone, for my expectation is in Him. Now this is written by David. <clears throat> David is uh, the writer of many of the Psalms that we read. It's probably the most... A frequented book of the Bible for me personally. Every morning, pretty much, I start in Psalms. Because David, I, I will resonate with what he writes. And he will help take me from where I am to where I need to be. Because I don't start off my day, I don't know about you, but I don't start off my day with where I need to be. <laughs> um, I wake up a lot of times with wrong thinking, maybe discouragement, um, not viewing things properly, worrying, anxiety, fear, uh, distant from God, a lot of things. But I usually don't wake up with everything in order. And so the Psalms help me resonate with where I am to where I need to be. So I'd like to just, just, unpack, just unpack this verse because it is a great verse that, that I think I go back to many, many times. And he starts out by saying this, Oh, my soul, oh, my soul, from the deepest part of who I am, he is expressing from how he feels. Of course, we think of you know, how, how a person is made up, the mind, the will, the emotions, the physical body, uh, however you uh, break man apart? Does he have two parts, uh, spiritual, physical? Does he have four parts? Uh, uh, we know that we're basically physical people, and we also have a spiritual unseen component that we would say uh, has the mind and the will and the emotions. But he is saying, when he says this, he's saying, oh my soul. Any of you ever do that? Some people say, oh my word, or um, <clears throat> other things. But this is an expression uh, that, that is coming out of frustration, anxiety, worry, distress, deep, deep need. And when I think back to, and we get into what he's talking about is waiting, 
waiting on God, that it is, it is so hard to wait without getting some frustration and anxiousness and worry and disappointment. And even though you resolve that last Sunday, that I find Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm back with that expression. Oh, my soul. There is a need, and the need is not being immediately met, and so I start to struggle. We talked about the, the needs that we have, and I'm not sure what need you have that you've been waiting for for a long time, or maybe your top three <laughs> needs that you have right now that you've been waiting for God to do something. It's, it may be that he, he needs to show you what to do. Uh, he needs to provide something. Uh, or do something. He needs to reconcile some issue that's not been resolved. He needs to to vindicate you uh, for maybe being falsely accused. There are so many ways where we can feel this tension. And as God do something, I need something. And you know, when you when you have no needs in your life, which uh, I don't know if you can think back to any time when that was true. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> When everything is going great, and I don't need anything, I'm doing fine. What what tends to happen to your heart? Well, you can do the Christianity thing, but you're pretty much going through the motions. And I find this, and I, and I find it true, and, and David's life expressed in, in powerful ways, that it's so easy for me to drift when I don't have the intense... Uh, movement of God by the challenges to move me to him. Now, David, we, we, we learn about David the first time in 1 Samuel um, in the Old Testament. And David was a shepherd boy. He's described as a boy. He was the youngest of all of his brothers and uh, seven brothers in the family. And and he is the youngest. So you can imagine how he was, but you could say everything about the youngest of seven, be spoiled, picked on everything else, and you don't think you're man enough to be at war. And we read all about that David's life. But he was, he was a pretty capable boy. And he was watching the, the sheep, and uh, Saul, who the, the previous king had, had been, was going to be removed, and, and because God was not pleased with Saul. And so God's going to choose a king. And so Samuel, who was the priest to anoint the new king, goes all the way down to David's family. His dad's name is Jesse. And he says, well, is it this son? Is it this son? Is it this son? Is it this son? And one of the comments in chapter 16, verse 7 of 1 Samuel says, don't look at him the height of his stature because I've refused him. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And that verse has always stuck with me. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Now, the thing is, when you look at me, all you see is the outward appearance. When I look at you this morning, all I see is the outward appearance. It's impossible to me to see your heart. Now, I can see manifestations of your heart, but God sees that. And he's, he's looking for someone whose heart 
is where it needs to be. That's what God is concerned about. And David later on, even with all of his ups and downs, and this is what I love about the story of David. We, we read about him slaying Goliath, David and Goliath. And we read about all, of, all the things that he goes through, how he reigns as king. And uh, even we read about how he stumbles. He commits adultery and he murders someone. But even after all of that, God says, here's a man after my own heart. Here's a man after my own heart. So is it possible to have oopses in your life and downturns and mess-ups and still be a person after God's own heart? Absolutely. Absolutely. Doesn't mean that David was a perfect man. And so that, that's how we can identify. I can see how David is complaining to God. He's frustrated with God. He's, where are you, God? And, and he even says it this way, what have I done? So in our times of waiting, we can experience that. And, and David, not only is I, I, he's a warrior, he's described as a, as, a, uh, as a king, as a bloody man, as a warrior. He uh, slew the giant and is a very capable man's man, but he's also a, a, an incredible musician. And so the Psalms are, are really, what I, would, what I would describe the book of Psalms, or 150 Psalms, that we read, many of them written by David, uh, are from the heart, one, so we resonate with that. They are songs. In other words, they're meant to be sung. Now, we don't, uh, we don't have the sheet music for all of these. We make up some, but they're, they're poetic. But I think the biggest part about the Psalms is their prayers. There are prayers, expressions of a person to God. And this is how we, we, we find ourselves and are able to identify uh, with him. Some of them are about God. He'll, he'll write a psalm that dis- describes how great God is. Some of them are for God. In other words, he's speaking to people in the psalm about what God is saying. Some of them are to God in prayer. Some of them are high and lofty with, with great language. And some of them are very plain and simple and real. Um, so psalms and songs can be... Uh, an ongoing developing narrative and some of them can be repetitious some people say i don't like repetitious songs they just sing them over and over a lot of the psalms are that way (laughs) so there's a quite a variety and we find ourselves here with david so david is at some point in his life and there's some debate exactly when this is taking place but you you can you can find a lot of spots where where david is is uh crying out to god in this waiting he's waiting again and that's why when i when i think of uh still waiting is that we're waiting we're still waiting we're waiting again even the things that last sunday you got resolved this week now you got a new list of things to wait for (laughs) it's like well we've got that done and now we have more that we need to address but here's the word wait wait we don't like that at the traffic light we don't like that when we get behind someone going slow in the left lane. Uh, you're in a hurry. You're stopping. You're waiting. Those are little things. And, and I think that little things, little times of waiting can kind of get to me. I, I, sometimes I've told this to Diane, you know, the big things don't bother me because I can kind of get myself all ready. But it's the little things that get in the way along the way. Any of you like that? It's just, I mean... It's like, why does that have to happen? This happened, and, and they all happened at once, like in the same day. You think, 
Everything I touch, <laughs> something's happening. So what, what does that do to you when you're having to wait, you're having to stop? And it's amazing how I, I picked, I decided to, to preach this sermon last Sunday right after church. I decided I'm going to preach this sermon. And, and it started. It started. My whole week was this way. Um, I go to Starbucks, and um, I'm there with my son. I'm picking him up at the airport, and I, and I said, I'd like a pour-over. You know, you know what a pour, pour, pour over is kind of, because it's fresh. I don't like coffee that's been sitting there. I say, is that fresh? I say, it's always fresh. I say, that's not fresh. So <clears throat> they're going to do a pour over. So they get, get Ross's coffee. They get everybody else's coffee. I'm still waiting for them. And they finally get over there, and, and they're starting to pour real slow. And then she stops to go do something else. And I thought, this is like subcontractors on, a, on working on a building. Um, they just they just left, and then and I'm standing there. I said uh, I was getting a, oh yeah oh yeah. They pour a little more, and then they left again. And I'm thinking, okay, now they probably don't know that I'm a pastor, <laughs> and I'm not going to say anything. But I'm thinking, why is this why is this happening? That this is going so incredibly slow. And then we decide to go out for some. Uh, health food at, at uh, Smashburger, and uh, you know we're celebrating uh, Ross coming home, and so we go there, and the, and the burger's not cooked, so I quite right, so I sent it back because it's been overcooked. And you think I'm picky, don't you? I think I'm really picky. I don't like an overcooked burger, um, and so then we wait and wait. Uh, Diane finishes her meal. Ross finishes his meal. We're sitting there waiting, waiting to go back up. Finally get my meal. And I thought, why, Lord? Why is it that every time you're trying to teach me something, I get all the scripture that I can tell everybody else that you just kind of increase the anxiety in my own life? Now, what did, what did that create for me? It was probably uh, showing me the reality of my own humanity and how quickly I can lose patience. And, and uh, you know, I didn't you know, blow up or anything, but I could just feel the, the churning about, well, you hurry up. It creates frustration. Now, but when it's big things, when it's the big things, the, the things you're waiting for, for God to do, for God to show up, for God to, to work something out or to provide a need that is really, really big, and it's, it's not just waiting in traffic or waiting for coffee. It's big, and it's over a long period of time. It's not so much <clears throat> that you get frustrated. Uh, you tend to drift away from God. You tend to drift away from God. Because if it's not moving you closer to Him, seeking Him, you're going to start to drift. And I think that that's, uh, that's what happens is you, you, you start, you quit asking. You quit praying about it. Because, you know, if you pray every day, every day, every day, every day, and Nothing's happening. You pray and pray and pray and pray. And pretty soon you think, okay, what good does it do? Quit asking, quit searching, quit following, quit believing. And here's what David says, let all that I am, he says, oh my soul, let all that I am wait quietly before you, before God. Let all, it's really a statement of surrender. It's an act of the will. It's a volitional statement. I am going to make the decision that I am going to wait quietly. I am going to wait patiently. 
I am going to wait believingly. And, and of course, David has, is a great picture of, of waiting. The, the high water mark of, of David and Goliath, you know, we, we, he takes the five stones from the brook, uh, the smooth stones, and he goes out when all, everyone else is afraid of this giant. And, and uh, he said, you, you've defied the armies of the living God. And he takes one stone, and it hits Goliath in the forehead, and he falls to the ground, dead. David goes and cuts his head off, holds his head up, and all of the armies of the Philistines, who Goliath was a Philistine, flee, and all of Israel follow after them. You think this, this is an amazing, at this time he's 17. I mean, so he's a man, he's kind of between a boy and a man. You think that is amazing. Right after that, um, we find the confirmation. He is, he is anointed. He, he's confirmed that before, before, even before that, we're finding that he is anointed by Samuel and, and called of God to be the next king. Okay, Saul's out, you're in, and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be king. Then we see God's favor. Everything David does, he goes out and they start singing songs. They say, Saul, the former king, now is, is slain his thousands. David has slain his ten thousands. He's, he's just like the man's man. I mean, he is just, he's riding high. Do you know this, that from the time that he slew that giant and had the approval of God to be the king, you know how long it took before he was king over all of Israel? It was 13 years. He was 30. Now, some of you say, that's old. 30 is old. And I imagine David felt he was old <laughs> by the time he got. But what happened, what happened for 13 years? David waited. David waited. And I think that's where we get a lot of these psalms of these expressions during the waiting time. And it wasn't just twiddling his thumbs. Saul was chasing him most of the time, trying to kill him. He was running from cave to cave to cave. And, and you can think, Lord, where are you? What, what, what have I done? I mean, you said I'm going to be king. I'm a man after your own heart. I want to serve you. I love you. I'll do whatever you want to. But what have I done? And so it wasn't like, 13 days it wasn't 13 months it was 13 years that he went through all of these things waiting 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 and i think that is a that is a very very hard thing for us to do he says wait wait but he describes it as before god alone before god alone I'm not just waiting idly, <clears throat> because typically when we're waiting, we want to put we'll put our put our confidence and trust in in myself. First of all, I, I always put it in myself. That's the way you are too. Typically, I'm going to figure this out myself, or uh, things around me, or other people, and I'm waiting uh, for stuff to happen. But but here is what he is saying: I am waiting for God alone. And I don't mean that, I don't think that means that you don't um, put your trust and hope in any, anyone else. 
or anything else because we do that every day. Um, we put confidence in people. But what he is saying is that God alone, meaning God supremely above all else, I trust in him. So under the umbrella of his sovereignty and his power and his goodness and his trustworthiness, all this chaos is going on in life. Whether it's coffee or burgers or big stuff like health, someone's passed away, broken up family. I mean, the list goes on of heavy, heavy things. So I do trust doctors. I do trust people. I do trust coworkers. But all of my expectation and hope is not in them. It is supremely in God. So God is not your last resort. Typically, if you're like me, he becomes my last resort because I, I don't even think about God. Do you find yourself doing this sometimes, going through a, a big part of your day and not even acknowledging that God's there? I mean, it's, it's like compartmentalized. And, and I think this is the way we tend to do things, I think typically in America, is we compartmentalize God. He's in a box over here. We go there on Sunday. We go there for a Bible study. We go there when we you know, pray before a meal. But, but God is not in our lives everywhere and all that we're doing. Uh, it's something we do. It's something we have. It fits over here. And if I'm having trouble in my life and I get desperate and I've exhausted every other resource, I'm going to go over here and see if I can get some help. But it becomes the last resort. But what he's saying here is that I put my, my hope, my, my trust in God alone, supremely above everything. He is first, he is foremost, he is enduring. He is moving me to depend less on him and less on other things. And I, if, I could just, if I could just say that, that of the many things that God's doing in your life as you wait, because God's not doing it because he doesn't have time or because he's busy going to the window to help someone else. God is not bound by time. He is not so busy, he, does, he, doesn't, he can't get to, to give your issue attention. When, when God has you wait, it is because God has intention and purpose and that you need to wait. And the biggest thing is that he wants you to learn to be dependent on him alone above everything else. And you say, well, I'm already that way. No, you're not. <laughs> None of us are. And, and, I, and I know this, that it is a lifelong process. You say, oh, well, you know, back when I was in my 20s, I remember I depended on God, but you, we always drift. So, so God allows issues to come into my life to move me to greater crying out depending, leaning on, trusting, seeking, praying, looking at his word, calling upon him. He increases the intensity of my need for him. And the result of that is intimate relationship. So this is God's design. You were created to have relationship, intimate relationship with him. And he delights in that. He joys in that. But a lot of times we're too busy solving everything else ourselves, and so God brings this into us, into our lives. <clears throat> so how do you think David got to be a man after God's own heart? How, how do you think that, that, that God formed in him such a relationship like no other? It wasn't from just slaying giants every day. 
You know, he could have gone out and slain a giant every day and not be drawn, drawn close and intimate relationship with God. But when he's in the cave, he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting, he's being persecuted, he's been falsely accused, he's running again. The intensity is growing. I think for David, the other thing is that God's preparing him to be king. You know, you're 17, you're not ready to be king. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> you can hear your kids saying that, can't you? Huh? You're not ready to be king. Oh, yeah, I can be king. <laughs> I thought you, you ask anybody if they're ready, pretty much you can say, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'll be king. <laughs> David wasn't ready to be king. So how, how is he going to be the best king ever? Well, it's going to be because he is closest to God of anyone because of his relationship with God. And so during these 13 years of waiting, depending, not necessarily conquering everyone, it is the waiting and depending that forms his character, his life, his ability, and, and, and all that he needs. So when the time comes, the right time, when God sets him on the throne, he's 30 years of age, and, and he was ready. So God is, God is moving you, moving you to deeper, more intimate relationship with him as you wait. It's not going to happen without waiting. That's what he's doing. He's also preparing you for what's next. Say, so what's next? Well, you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes we do know. <clears throat> David knew vaguely, but God is preparing you for what's next. You know, I look back over the last seven years of my life, and I, I've, I've um, to me, been, been the toughest of my adult, or all my life. Really, the last seven years have been some of the toughest of, of my life. And, and I start to realize how, how much it's moved me in prayer to God, in my relationship to Him, and how, and how it's helped me help other people. I start, to, I start to realize now, had I not gone through that and that and that, I really wouldn't be able to help the people that I'm being able to help today. Now, I couldn't see it back then. And uh, if I could, I don't know how I would respond to that. But this is what God is doing. Causing a pause, a wait, a tension. I don't know if it's 13 years like it was for David. It was also, coincidentally, 13 years for Joseph. Uh, I don't know if that's a lucky number. Uh, for, for Moses, it was 40 that he was waiting. Whatever your time is, it's too long. What, whatever it is, it's too long. You think, Lord, we can just kind of fast track this. So <clears throat> the last part of this verse speaks about expectation. He says, for my expectation is in him. And I love this because your, your translation may use the word hope. And <clears throat> you can translate the word expectation at the beginning and expectation at the end, or hope, either place, but it's really the same Hebrew word. But it means a, a hope with great anticipation and great excitement. It's not <clears throat> the hope, well, I hope that happens. It's not, it's not a resignation. Does that make sense? Sometimes we, well, I hope things get better. It's a, <clears throat> I hope the weather clears up. Well, I hope the rest of my life is better than the first part of my life. You say, well, that's hope. Well, it's a hope that is more resignation. This is a hope with excitement and anticipation. 
that God wants us to have. And so this is, this is what he speaks about. My expectation, my passion, my desire, and my anticipation of what God is going to do. My expectation is in him. To me, it's just an amazing, amazing thought. Now, when you put your, you know, every day, <clears throat> we get up and we have expectations. I love this word, expectations. When you get up in the morning and uh, you go into, I mean, you get up, you expect to flip the, the light on, and uh, you, ex- you expect the light to come on, right? You go to the coffee pot, you expect it to work. You get dressed, you expect to go find your clothes. You go out to start the car, you expect it to start. Every day we are loaded with expectations. Now, when something doesn't come through, that creates frustration. It just, it does. And it's that way in more important things like relationships. And I've talked about this before, how, you know, you have a couple and they're, they're standing in front of everybody, they're ready to get married, and the guy's looking at this woman and, and, and he's thinking, oh, and, and uh, I love you no matter what, for better or for worse. And, and he's thinking, um, you know, all of these things, that she's going to be a wonderful cook and give me a back rub every night and, and have a wonderful home and never complain about anything. And, and, um, and then she's looking over at him, and her expectations are he's going to always be kind to me, always caring, always provide for me, never get upset, never be angry, never, always be responsible. Now, what are they in for? Well, see, I, I call that expectations and then reality, okay? Now, if, if, I, if I put my expectations in my wife, as, as perfect, near perfect as she is, um, it does a couple things, and she's putting her expectations in me. There's no way, there's no way I'm, I'm going to not disappoint her. Now, that's true with any relationship. It's true with any situation. It's, it's you know, going to college or, or starting school. Uh, we are so loaded with expectations. So you walk out the door loaded with expectations for the day. Reality sets in. And when reality sets in, what happens to us? Well, whatever it is, is bad. <laughs> I mean, disappointment. Frustration, anger. Uh, we're we're not doing well. But here's what here's what he says. My expectation is in God. So when I start, if I if I if I were to say looking looking at Diane, I, I say, okay, here are all my expectations, and if there's one thing that she doesn't do, disappointment. But if, but if I am, now I'm not saying you don't have the, the normal expectations of life, because people say, what about your kids? Don't you expect them to clean their room? Absolutely. But above all of the expectations I have in life is I put all my trust and confidence in God. And how do I see him? He's sovereign. He's good. He's all-powerful. He's all-wise. And he's working for my good and for good everyone around me. He's doing that. And I trust him. So what it does is, yeah, you still can get frustrated along with little things, and, and even big things, you get frustrated along the way, but ultimately, you put your, your confidence in Him, and that makes a difference. Now, here's, here's what happens. If, if, I, if I put my, if I have a high expectations in you, any one of you, and you, you disappoint me, 
um, I, I'm really setting myself up for disappointment. And I'm really doing damage to you because pretty soon you feel like I can't win. And that's, that's the way a lot of marriages will, will end. So if, if a guy says, you know, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I had all these high expectations. She's not delivering. And yet, if you look at it from her point of view, every time I make a mistake, there's a criticism. I can't win. I can't win. I give up. And so it's not good for either. With all the expectations you have at work, at your home, with your finances, with getting up in the day with your kids and everything else, what David is saying is that above all of those things, my, my full and absolute confidence is in a sovereign God who loves me, who cares for me, who through all of these things is, is working toward an intimate, personal, real, vital relationship with me. And he is developing my life and my character, as well as my wife, as well as my kids, all those around me, and he's accomplishing his will. I trust in that. So what does that do to me when I think that way? The, the expectation of God alone above all those other things, it brings to me a sense of peace and of joy and of contentment. It gives me confidence. It increases my faith. It brings stability into my life. All of this is happening is God is at work in my life. All that He is, all that He desires to be. And that's why when we go back to the verse we were looking at last week, that God, God is in heaven longing to, waiting to pour out His blessings, show Himself to you, be good to you. We are, on the other hand, waiting to receive God's blessing. Why the wait? Why the wait? And as we said, without the tension, there's not going to be the pursuit of God there's not going to be uh, the working that he has. So I, I like for you to, as, as we kind of wrap this up, to ask, what is it? What is it that you're waiting for that's big for God to do? How long have you been waiting? And how do you feel about that? Can you be like David? And I, to me, it's, it's like his, his psalm is self-talk. Your, your self-talk is, is like, he says, Oh, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is in him. And you know, I'm talking back to myself the way I need to be thinking. And, and that's really what we need to be doing. In your waiting time, to be able to say honestly, openly, confessionally, My soul, oh, my soul, because I feel the pain of the waiting. Put your trust, put your hope in God with all that you are and your expectation is in Him. You know, the Apostle Paul writes this in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, To Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Let me tell you this. What you want is here. You know, what, you're, what you want is here. What God wants is way up here. I have a hard time getting my mind around that a little bit because I have high expectations. I mean, I really do. I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm, <clears throat> I like to think really big. God's way above that. It's an amazing thought. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine. That's how God wants to bless you. 
but it's going to come through His way and His timing. He is creating in you a greater dependence. He is building your faith. He's accomplishing His will, and you're still waiting. Now, next Sunday, I'm not going to be preaching on waiting, but we will still be waiting. <laughs> we will still be waiting. And when God wants to make David king, He'll make David king. When God wants to resolve it, He'll resolve it. If God wants to do something else, He will resolve it. In the meantime, it's really not the point, because if God just answers the prayer and we get the stuff, that's not even the point. It's the relationship. It's not the stuff. It's not the things resolved. It's not getting this or doing this. It, it, is, it is relationship. And that is the essence of Christianity. So I'll leave you with this, with this thought. Waiting on God is a good thing when we wait expectantly. Waiting on God is a good thing. It's a hard thing. It can be frustrating, but waiting on God is a good thing when we wait expectantly. And my prayer is that God would help us teaching us, uh, teach this to us. Over a hundred times I found in the Bible, we're called to wait. And it's not even about the thing we're waiting for. It's about Him. And my prayer is that God would move you to that kind of relationship through your time of waiting. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, we're so grateful for Your patience in teaching us And while it's hard, we give you thanks for the times of waiting. We don't like to wait. It's hard for us. We struggle in many ways. We cry out to you. Lord, I pray that we would see and trust who you are and what you're doing. That through the waiting, you are creating greater dependence upon us uh, as we trust in you and greater dependence in us. That you accomplish your work and your will in forming us into what we need to be in doing your will. Lord, I pray that for whatever we're waiting for, what we've been waiting for, you would give us a settledness and a peace and even a joy as we wait. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.